0: Hey guys, before we get started with today's show, I wanted to let you know about some big news for the right time with Bomani Jones. Bo is bringing you new podcasts Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. That's right, three podcasts a week, every week. Fridays are officially hashtag Foxworth Fridays with Dominique Foxworth riding shotgun with Bo. Listen to the right time with Bomani Jones Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, wherever you get your podcasts. Also wanted to let you guys know about ESPN Films' latest documentary, 144. It's executive produced by my friend, ESPN Radio and First Take Her Take podcast host, as well as current WNBA player, Sinead Ogumke. The film takes viewers inside the WNBA's unprecedented 2020 season. Four months after the league postponed the season due to the COVID-19 pandemic, they set out to play a condensed season entirely in the bubble, where 144 players across 12 teams not only came together to play basketball, but also to dedicate their season to social justice. 144 will premiere May 13th at 9 p.m. Eastern Time on ESPN. The film will be available on ESPN Plus immediately after the premiere. Welcome back to the Mina Kimes Show featuring Lenny, the only NFL podcast where one of the hosts thinks Jordan Love is what happens when you eat a sneaker. That's Lenny, a Mina Kimes. The 2021 draft is in the books and who better to help me recap it and recap some of the biggest moments um the biggest decisions I, i'm not calling them winners and losers danny i'm saying um <laughs> te- teams that make you excited or drafts rather and and drafts that make you go hmm that's that's mm. how i'm doing it uh danny kelly from the ringer draft guru longtime friend of the show longtime friend of mine danny how's it going
1: <laughs> it's going really well how are you doing
0: I'm good. I just hit hide cam because I realized I left my cam on and I never leave my camera on for some reason. Um, You know what? I don't have to explain myself. Um, Danny, (laughs) I want to talk about the draft. So the way we're going to do this, we're talking about the quarterbacks drafted and then we're going to talk about the aforementioned. Hmm. And teams that make you excited. But Aaron Rodgers, the news is about Aaron Rodgers rather, sort of hijacked the draft. And it's going to hijack my show at the very beginning as well because I think actually kind of... affects how you view the draft and the teams in particular, the teams that did or didn't take quarterbacks. I don't find this topic super enjoyable to talk about, which I know (laughs) is a really enticing way to get into a podcast because it's like, yes, really that's I'm a professional. It's, it's to me. And you can tell me if you disagree, I find it like trying to psychoanalyze a relationship from the outside. Like when, when, Right. A couple is about to break up or fighting and you're like, "Who whose side should we take? And I always say, well, I don't know because I don't know what's happening between them in their house. Right. And I feel the same way, especially with Rogers because the news is out that he wants to trade, but we don't know like why exactly we could speculate why. I think there's some very obvious um, reasons. And, and we also don't know how, convicted he it like how strong his level of conviction is rather so you know there's nothing to be we can you and i can speculate that about about that i suppose but i i just want to get first your immediate reaction because this news broke like hours before the first round of the nfl draft
1: my first reaction was that i was already tired Before the draft even started, because there was just (laughs) constant, like Tim Tebow news, like on the same day. So it was just, it was just a lot. Um, But I think, I I think my first overall overall reaction about Rodgers is typically that he's pretty. I don't don't know what the right word is. Like petty isn't the right word, but in that range, I guess, like where he's Uh, about, Yeah. When you, when you say convicted, I think he probably is very convicted about this and has very strong feelings. And he doesn't seem like the guy who's going to be like, ah, it's fine. We'll, we'll get, we'll just, you know, let bygones be bygones. He doesn't seem to, to, to me to be like that kind of guy. I don't know him, but, um, yeah. Kind of just like what you hear about him. He he's very, uh, you know, capable of holding a grudge, I guess, is the way I would put it. So I think this is definitely going down the road where something major could happen. I don't know if it will happen. I don't know if the Packers would ultimately end up actually firing Brian Gut- Gutekinst, but it, it is one of those situations where it looks like it's going to be a game of chicken and we're not going to really know mm. for a while here what's going on. So, um, And I've heard people say this and I think it is a fascinating angle is the fact that the the Packers don't have an owner is a weird little wrinkle in this whole thing that like the owner can't step in and be like, okay, we're going to fire the GM or we're just going to like let Rogers Mm. go or whatever. Um, so I think that's yeah. another angle that's very fascinating about how this is all going to go. Cause it's not like you can get the the shareholders in here to, to give their opinion. That's
0: a great point. Strong argument in favor of or the dictatorships and anti-democracy It's really Danny <laughs> Kelly. No. um, Yeah. You know, that, that's right. And I think also this is going to, it could really drag out because now that the, the major event was the draft, right? Like, Oh, this mm-hmm. trade might happen before the draft so they can get picks now. Now that that's elapsed, um, you know, if it was going to happen, it would probably be a post-June 1st trade so that mm-hmm. the Packers could spread out the money. It would be nearly $40 million before then. It'd still be a sizable, you know, hit, but at least they could split that about in half. Or, and, right. um, you know, we, we threw out some potential trades on NFL Live today. I, I, I represented the team that I personally think is the most the best candidate from both Denver and Green Bay's point of view, and that's Denver. Um, And and Danny, I actually think this influences how you view Denver's draft because, yeah, because Denver, and and this is what I actually find more interesting to talk about than, you know, what was it going to take to make Aaron Rodgers happy again? Uh, Denver passed on a quarterback, which, you know, they, Justin Fields went right by them and they took Patrick Sertan the second. And by like on its face, Denver had a really good draft. I love the players they took. I think their defense is gonna be awesome. I think their secondary is gonna be awesome with Patrick the second. However, if they don't upgrade at quarterback and they did trade for Teddy Bridgewater, I still don't think they're a contender. And right yet right. if they were to get Rodgers, and the trade I put forward was three firsts and Jerry Judy. Um because the other t-
1: <laughs> and what, Jerry Judy. Well wow. the
0: other teams the other um Dan had Miami and they were he was throwing in Tua and mm. Marcus had New Orleans, which doesn't make any sense. And but to me Denver like Green Bay doesn't need a quarterback, right? So I was like, okay, we'll give him a young player who's taking the first round last year. Um right. So anyways, if, if Denver got Rodgers, they're Super Bowl contenders. And so, yeah. like, to me, like, yeah. you know, how do you view their draft with and without Aaron Rodgers as, you know, a matter of consideration?
1: Yeah. So I think that's, I mean, exactly what I, I did some post draft grades and I gave him a C because I think yeah. you said it exactly right. Like, I like the players that they take took all, all the players almost down the list were like, oh, that's intriguing. I like certain. Very good corner. My top corner. Jaunte Williams, very good running back. Uh, Quinn Miners, like, you know, one of the highest, like fastest rising centers or guards or whatever in, in the draft. And then, you know, down the line, like Seth Williams late in the in the draft, like that felt like a steal. Uh, they got a couple of good uh, safeties. I, I, I really did like the players they took, but the choice to go corner uh, and then subsequently trade up for a running back versus just taking Justin Fields at number nine, to me, doesn't get them any closer to dethroning Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. Like, to me, they need a quarterback. Um, mm-hmm. Now, they, they obviously or evidently see it differently. They think they can be maybe like the the anecdote or antidote to, to Mahomes by having like this elite defense. But to me, I, I don't know if that's really enough, honestly, to do it. Um, yeah. I think you need to be able to outscore the Chiefs. <laughs> and so... I don't know. I I thought that draft, as good as it looked in terms of the the players they took, it didn't get them any closer to actually dethroning the Chiefs in the AFC West. In my mind,
0: yeah, and like the Rogers thing, like is such a roll of the die. Like I don't think there's no
1: guarantee. Yeah, there's no
0: guarantee. I don't think Denver passed. Uh, I. I I could totally be proven wrong about this. Maybe you know a, a bunch of behind the scenes wheeling and dealing comes out later. I don't think ju- Denver passed on Justin Fields because they thought they had a shot at Rogers. Right? Like right. I don't think. Right. I think they didn't want Justin Fields. Um, yeah, and that again, that's a decision that could horribly backfire on them. Or if they get Aaron Rodgers it'll it won't matter at all and it'll <laughs> it'll look smart. So, yeah, yeah. I don't know, it's too early to judge now, but let's talk about the the teams that did take quarterbacks beginning with Jacksonville in a shocking twist with the number 1 overall pick. <laughs> um, they took Trevor Lawrence. I, I don't really want to talk about that. I think more to me the interesting the question I have for you is how do you see the rest of their draft through the lens of you know, developing Lawrence in his first year under new head coach Urban Meyer and new offensive coordinator, Daryl Bevel. So to remind Mm -hmm. people, they took Travis Etienne running back out of Clemson with their next pick, 25. Then they went corner, just a little bit surprising. Tyson Campbell out of Georgia at 33, skipping out on Trayvon Merrick at safety, which is what I thought they would do. And then Walker Mm -hmm. Little, uh, a tackle out of Stanford in the second round, and Andre Sisco, safety from Syracuse in the third. What do you make of the class as a whole?
1: I really liked their class actually, and I and I, my initial reaction was they they did a great job. I think the Travis Etienne pick was not good value, um, and ta- yeah. you know taking a, a running back there like there's, they passed up on uh, some really good players at more premium positions, especially a year after they got so much production out of an undrafted free agent running back, it just felt a, wee- a little bit weird. But at the same time, you know from a, just a a football point of view, like his explosiveness and his um, ability to factor into the passing game. I think ultimately that will end up being a plus for them, you know, on that side of the ball. I, I really liked the Walker little pick. I think he's, he's a guy who, you know, he hasn't played barely for two years. So there's a lot of question marks there. And, and, but I think he's, you know, athletic, he's got the size, all that stuff to like be a good player for them. The um, Cisco was a guy that I thought, um, if he hadn't gotten injured last year, he probably would have gone quite a bit higher. He's just he's an exciting downhill, explosive player. I love Jay Tufele um, from USC. Overall, just I like their draft. Then they got Jalen Camp, this hyper athletic uh, receiver, late in the draft. Like overall, I thought you know every player down the list basically was a guy that I had my on my radar, like a good player, exciting player. Um, I would say the the one thing that people were were worried about was the Trent Balky thing where they're taking mm. injured players, you know, like this is, yes. this is backfired for Balky, Balky in the past. And so the worry is, you know, did they, did they are they even going to have um, Cisco? Is he going to be ready to play this year? Like we don't really know what you're getting from Walker Little. So I, I definitely can yeah. see where people are coming from that didn't like the draft because there's so many question marks but That's for me I liked all those players and so um I ultimately gave them a A so I, I don't know Ooh. if I, I might be I might be on the high end also this draft is heavily anchored by Trevor Lawrence you know so
0: Right yeah I'm surprised that, to gave him an A that with part it. plays
1: in so yeah.
0: With ETN going at 25. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, you know, people, some thought they would go wide receiver, just focusing on offense and developing Lawrence. Um, but I actually really liked their group with uh, DJ Chark, LaVisca Chenault, Marvin Jones. They mm-hmm. got Philip Dorsett in the room as well. Like I, I, I didn't really think they needed to focus on, on that position. I, I think Walker Little, yeah, I understand the injury reluctance, but because they um, franchise tag Cam Robinson, and then they've got John, Jawan Taylor, who who wasn't great, you know. On the other side, but there's some stability there, so it's it's not like they need Walker Little to come in and play day one. And I think, right, you know, you take a big a bit of a swing there for that reason. And like, you know, again with ETN, NFL teams are such pedigree snobs, man. Like James Robinson's good. I just don't understand, but you know, I'm sure ETN <laughs> will will do stuff, and and the comfort level is great, so. I get it. I there, there's a lot of defensible. It's not what I would have done from a value perspective, but I get it. Um, yeah. What grade? What grade did you give the Jets? So we're moving on to just. There's more to talk about. With
1: Jeff, so. Uh, so, by the way, I've been accused of being a lenient grader. I also gave the I gave the Jets an A plus. <laughs> I really like the Jets. I, I really like the Jets draft. Um, mm. There, first of all, I would say Zach Wilson would have would not have been my first choice for number two. Um, I've been on record saying that. Obviously, the NFL feels very differently. It feels like, you know, for whatever reason, for for whatever multiple reasons, the NFL just hasn't been as high on Justin Fields. And we saw that kind of bear out. Um, the Bears clearly were high on him. So, you know, he didn't fall very far, but hmm. he was sort of never in the discussion for number two. And then it doesn't seem like he was ever in the discussion for the, for the uh, 49ers at number three. Yeah. I just think they, that if I were them, if I was the Jets, I would have taken Justin Fields there. But um, regardless, I think Zach Wilson's going to be a good player for them. And I think they did exactly the right thing. In adding Elijah Vera Tucker, I don't, I didn't love the value of trading up, but I think he's a very good player. Um, I think he's gonna slot in there at left guard, right next to uh, Mackay Beckton I think that's gonna be an awesome little duo there. And um, you know, if you go, if you watch Zach Wilson's tape, it's like he's got these massive, massive pockets to like. Yes. It's not even a pocket; it's just a straight line. It's like his line is literally just in front of him, like five yards in front of him. He's just sitting back there, like throwing. So Um, it's going to be a little bit of a a culture shock or whatever. When he comes into the NFL, he's going to have to like throw in front of pressure a little bit more often, but um, you know, shoring up the offensive line, I think is a problem or a, it's not something that the jets did over the last, you know, over basically a whole Sam Darnold era. They just never really sunk in enough uh, resources there. And that was obviously a big mistake, I think. And so them doing that, I can, I can stomach the cost of them trading up to do that. Um, And so, I like those two picks and then I love Elijah Moore. I think he's a dynamic playmaker. I think getting Michael Carter in the fourth round is a steal. So the the running back, Michael Carter, not Mm -hmm. the cornerback, Michael Carter. Um, So yeah, overall, I thought number one, uh, going heavy on offense made a lot of sense to me. Just try to try to give the best support system you can to your quarterback. Um, and, yeah, you know, I love the Vera Tucker and the Elijah Moore pick. So I gave him an A. I didn't give everybody days. <laughs> A's.
0: I'll stop asking you for your grades. Um, <laughs> for those who don't know, by the way, the cornerback, Michael Carter, is also now on the Jets. So uh, yes. good bit there. Um, <laughs> yeah. So the Jets traded two thirds to get mm-hmm. Vera Tucker. Um, and they also got back a, a late round pick. But, you know, to me... If there's one position you're going to trade up for, given who Zach Wilson is, everything you described, and everything he's going to need to succeed, that Sam Darnold, of course, didn't have, it would be offensive line. Yeah. And Vera Tucker was so clearly the best interior offensive lineman in this class. He played both positions at USC, which, by the way, he played inside and outside, is, is, I also think, really important because... As it stands, the Jets' right tackle is still George Fan, right? So, yeah, um, yeah. Have, having some flexibility, I do think they'll have Veritekker next to Makai Becton, but having flexibility there is great. And yeah, like it, it is again, like if there's one position you trade up for, I think that's the one. And I adore the Elijah Moore pick, not just because <laughs> I really like yeah. the player who'd who slipped into the second round, but I love Danny how he fits with that receiving group, right? Like you got the classic X, Y, Z and Denzel Mims, uh, who they drafted last year out of Baylor and flashed a bit, you know, last season, Corey Mm -hmm. Davis, who they acquired free agency, um, who's the Z in this scenario. And then now you've got um, Elijah Moore. I don't know what's going to happen with Jameson Crowder suggests. He won't be a jet for very long after this. Yeah. And then you you also have Keelan Cole, who's, who's a decent player. Like that's a great group. I, I just think, and then Michael Carter, you mentioned the one, not the two, the running back out of North Carolina. Like so they got him in the fourth round, um, which I just think is really good value. Like he oh, fell yeah. because he's he's little. He's mm-hmm. like five five eight off the top of my head, you would know. But it's like
1: two hundred and two pounds or something like that. So he's definitely on the small side for like it's not gonna be a foundation back type guy, but I think he can yeah. be a really good playmaker for him.
0: For sure. I mean, so the Broncos traded up for his running his mate in the backfield, Javante Williams, mm-hmm. in the second round and right, second round, yeah. Yes. And watching them both together, I didn't think they were that far apart. I thought Javante Williams was better and obviously I'm not surprised he went earlier because of mm-hmm. his size, but like Michael Carter can look just as dynamic to me at times. So I think they both produced for awesome. sure. Yeah, yeah. We like them both, but awesome pick for them.
1: I, to, to the more point. Yeah. I love the fit there. He's like perfectly complimentary to the other ones and, and to the other receivers there, I think. Um, and his fit too, with, uh, with Zach Wilson is going to be great because, you know, they've got the jump ball specialist uh, in Mims. And I saw him at the senior bowl a couple years ago. <clears throat> he was the best player at the senior bowl, like legitimately. So I don't know what happened as a rookie. Just didn't quite get it going that he, like you said, he did flash a little bit, but, um, he was constantly winning these 50-50 balls. I think that's exactly what Zach Wilson likes to throw down the sideline. He's yeah. willing to put it just in a guy's area and let him go get it. So Mims is a perfect fit for that. But then more over the middle is going to give them that the the yak ability. Like the just give him a little slant. He'll take it, you know, 20 yards or whatever. He's and one of the big things that you notice about him is he doesn't fight the football when it like comes into his hands. He's just like so natural, such a good I mean, it's it's kind of hilarious that we don't really talk about this more. But he like catches the ball so well; <laughs> it's like a, yeah. a very important thing for the receivers, obviously. But it's just like he doesn't it, he never looks like he slows down even a little when the ball is mm-hmm. coming to him. So I think he's gonna be really good in that like short and intermediate area. Um, he's a, a playmaker type guy that you can like hand it off to every once in a while. I too, was if gonna you want. say, yeah, I mean, screens. So the- yeah, yeah
0: it, it's Mike LaFleur, you know. So um, the Jets' offensive coordinator comes from San Francisco. You got to think right, they're going right. to do Debo stuff, shall we totally. say, with Elijah Moore. And,
1: yeah, and he's he's exact I think he's perfect for that. He, he's probably faster and more explosive and, and more um, agile than Debo Sam. He's not as he's not as physical no. and big, but yeah. um, he's gonna, he's the type of guy that can turn those little screen plays into big plays. And so I think that's perfect for them. And then Corey Davis will do a little bit of everything in between. I think you know. Like first downs, chains mover, red zone type guy, but all of a sudden the Jets to me are exciting. You know what I mean? It's like a weird transformation really quickly. And I wasn't even, and 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 I'm not even like the biggest Zach Wilson like love. Mm -hmm. Like he's not, he wasn't my top guy in that spot, but I'm still very excited about what they can do now with Zach Wilson in that offense there, and and in that with that passing game. In theory, they can get the run game going because obviously, you know LaFleur coming from that. Um, that system, they're going to have a heavy emphasis on the run game too. So um, I think it's all yeah, fitting together t- really well. I don't, yeah.
0: Tevin Coleman as well. I should, I, should, I mean, that's some more time in the draft. Right? Yeah, they got pieces. <laughs> yeah. They got pieces. Yeah, yeah, they're doing everything yeah. right. They're doing everything right. Um, to, right by Zach Wilson. Um, all right. So the third quarterback taken overall, Trey Lance, San Francisco. Mm-hmm. So, um, you guys probably don't know this, but Danny and I are Seahawks fans. So I think the best <laughs> way to start this is by saying that, you know, full disclosure, as Seahawks fans, this is not what I wanted to happen. Danny, where are you at?
1: <laughs> right. We were not rooting for this.
0: <laughs> we, we were not thrilled by this outcome. So as uh, Niners fans, you can you, you know what that means.
1: Yeah. I think <laughs> the reason <laughs> it was such a strong and, and passionate discussion for weeks, literally weeks or a month um, from the time, you know, it kind of like leaked out that they were looking at Mac, Mac Jones. Seahawk fans were like, you know, just like a bunch of lunatics. Like, yes, <laughs> like, thank God. Like they're going to do they're going to make this massive mistake. And <laughs> it, it's like that's like so mean, because I think Mac Jones is going to be like a good. Yeah, we're going to talk about it. I, I
0: love it. Um, we'll get to that.
1: Yeah, I think I think he's going to just do just fine. But I think the ceiling with Lance in this offense is what yes. is going to scare like the crap out of Seahawk fans. So, I mean, it's like going back to. Um, RG three, what he was able to do in Shanahan's scheme, um, you know, in, in, in the days of Kaepernick, like he's just like what he can do with his legs is so like Mm -hmm. freaking scary for a defense. And so, man, uh, you know, like he's also a very good passer, but I think the stuff that they can do in the run game with him, um, and just, it just makes things so much harder when a guy can scramble out of pressure and get something like pick up. You know, yards up, or pick up a first down when you do everything almost right on defense, right? And coverage. Yeah. And then you can still pick up a first down. That's like the most demoralizing thing ever. And so, yeah, to me, this is is this was the right decision for the 49ers. Um, and again, like going back to the, the field thing, I think I still I would have been even more scared if they picked fields. But I, I think Lance is a great fit for them um he raises the ceiling of what they can do like the the big question for me was always why would they trade two first round picks to get a guy who's like very similar to to Jimmy Garoppolo yeah. in style they traded two first round picks I, I guess evidently because they wanted a guy who can just be like a destroyer destroyer of worlds like this is what the, cool. the upside is here so that's Definitely. scary to me
0: um <laughs> this is like this is a big pick because Not only is it, you know, gonna change the direction of a franchise, I think arguably how we think of Kyle Shanahan, right? Like going forward, but it also tells us something I think about like where football is in the year 2021. Like there could Mm -hmm. not be a starker dichotomy than (laughs) Trey Lance versus Mac Jones. And for Kyle Shanahan and, and John Lynch to say, okay, we have both of these options, set aside Justin Fields, and we get to decide what our football team's future is, what it's going to look like. We have a yeah. good football team. The only thing we're mi- missing here is quarterback, and we are going to turn left instead of turning right or whatever, like go in this direction. That, to me, is like a very strong statement about the game. Um, You know, Adam mm. Schefter reported that... um the Niners viewed Trey as being more pro ready than Mac Jones, which kind of flew in the face of a lot of narratives around both these quarterbacks and, and I, you know, obviously the level at which they played. But I think that also is a very strong statement about football <laughs> in 2021, because, you know, I, I, can't, yeah. I've, I've, I said during the lead up to the draft Andy, over and over, who are the pocket who are the quote unquote traditional pocket passers? Who has been drafted in the last ten years? Who have succeeded in the NFL, right? Like you're looking at like Kirk mm-hmm. Cousins, Derek Carr, but like I don't think people would view them as like whopping wild success stories. And the Raiders have
1: been trying to get rid of Carr for years. It feels know.
0: like, and he's, I mean, I he's, he's decent. True, well, he's he's yeah. a decent quarterback, but like he had a damn pro-
1: good year last year. But yes, yes, totally.
0: But part of the problem is it's not just that like teams have gotten better at game planning for mobile quarterbacks or that mobile quarterbacks have gotten better at throwing the football and, and have been developed more. But I also right. think it, it is that um, because like they come into the NFL and they have a skill that they can lean on a, to get out of trouble. It's just another tool. And when yeah, you're missing yeah. that tool, the uh, transition is rough. And right now coming into this league, if you can't run, you have to be so advanced or have like a rocket arm. And I, I like that's really hard to find. And so I think like it's like the, the, when the Niners say it's via Adam Schechter that, Mac, that Trey is more pro ready, that's what they mean. It's not that he's more advanced as a passer or whatever. It's that, hey, he can play now. Like maybe, the, you know, there's going to be some rough stuff and we're going to work on the accuracy, but we can put him in football games and he's going to make plays. And I agree with that.
1: Think about yeah, and I mean think about how sacks can can kill a drive, and a, and a guy that you know can't move or can't have second reaction plays. I think this is why the Jets love Zach Wilson so much is the fact that he can move and make plays out of structure, um, and keep keep plays alive, escape the pressure, and so and and you know going back to the Justin Fields thing, that was that was a very real and I think legit. Uh, criticism of him is, is he takes too many sacks so I think about like yeah. this is why the 49ers like trey lance so much is because um you know not a, not only does he come from a system that's running from under center and doing a lot of play action and just like the natural footwork of all that is just going to be sort of an easy transition for him i think into the 49ers offense but yeah like he has the ability to go off script and escape pressure and make guys miss in, in, a, in a phone booth and and keep plays alive so I, I keep going back to and I don't even know if I remember it 100% correctly, but it was in the Super Bowl, and it was like a key third down. This is the Super Bowl that the Falcons lost. This is when Shanahan was the OC. Mm. And key third down late in the game, there was like a free yeah. blitzer off the edge, and, and Matt Ryan, he like just threw the ball away or whatever. I can't exactly remember how it went, no, but like and- he just couldn't escape pressure. And so... Having that be such a crucial play in my mind, I would not understand why you'd want to go to another quarterback that would sort of have to do the same thing. Like, couldn't be able to escape and make a, a second play out of that. Um, and you and you watch, you know, Trey Lance's tape, and he's the type of guy that can um, you know flip around and and run and and get away from that and and make something on his own. Um, that's just like I said before; it's just so demoralizing. It's so important these days, I, especially with sort of the gulf between the athleticism and the size and, and just overall, like the way that pass rushers are going now versus versus offensive line. It just doesn't even feel fair these days. Like if you're going to, if you're going to, if you're a six foot five, um, 270 plus person, you're going to be a pass rusher, probably not an offensive lineman. Cause you know, it's just like more fun. It's what they make more money or whatever. And so <laughs> I think, you know, this is, this is the way it is. Like you're going to be under pressure in the NFL. Even when, like, even if you have an offensive coordinator like Shanahan, like, there is going to be plays like where pressure just comes through the middle. They're playing in the freaking NFC West. You got mm-hmm. you're, you have to face Aaron Donald twice a week or twice a year, and so having a guy who can escape. This is a long-winded way of saying like, I I definitely like to pick for Trey Lance more than I would have liked Mac Jones for them. Um, but yeah, I think he just gives them so much more, so many more options. There was, I think it was in the Peter King article this week where. I'm. I, forgive me if it wasn't, but I think he, it was basically Shanahan saying like, I'm so stoked about the millions of different things that we can do with this guy. He couldn't even sleep. He was just like thinking about how excited <laughs> he was to like, you know what I mean? It's just like, God damn it. <laughs>
0: God damn it. I mean, this is like, this is an offensive coordinator who ran for approximately 600 yards over the green Bay Packers without a quarterback who could run. Now he's <laughs> right, got another right. variable at all time that defenses have to deal with. Like it's, Freaking terrifying. Um,
1: yeah,
0: yeah. And Stephen Ruiz had a great piece about how the one part of Shanahan's playbook where the the offense that hasn't been super successful is operating from under the gun uh, or out of the gun. So mm. now you've got Lance, who you know was under center a lot at, at North Dakota State, but also was pretty deadly both running and passing from the mm-hmm. shotgun, and and it just makes life that much harder. Um, what did you make of the rest of their draft? So to, to recap. Because uh, it kind of like got overshadowed. So in the second round, they took Aaron Banks, who was a guard out of Notre Dame. And then in the third round, uh, Trey Sermon, who last seen um, running rough shot. Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, now he was last seen. He got hurt. So that, uh, but anyways, Ohio State running back. And then Ambry Thomas, who was a cornerback in Michigan, I did not watch uh, carefully at all. So I'm curious to hear your thoughts about him too. Because that's an area that I think they do need to address.
1: Yeah. So to start out with, I didn't watch him also. I, like, I, would, I watched him very generally, but um, I focused in more like the top 150 guys. I guess he fell a little bit further than that, but he, he went hundred. Um, I would, two? I don't know, 102. Oh, yeah. So I don't know if like that was right in line with what people were expecting or not, but I didn't watch him closely, but I did watch Aaron Banks, who's a, just a big ass kicker. Trey Sermon, who um, I, had to, I had him higher than I think a lot of people. I don't know exactly where I had him on my board, but he was definitely in my top 100. And so, um he is he's the type of guy who i think if he can get he can get the the scheme figured out because we saw it took him a little while when he transferred to ohio state to kind of like get into um the feel of the offense because it was like a different style run game um and and then once he did it was just like holy shit he went off and he had like 330 yards in that one game and so it was just like this guy just took over yeah and so i think um yeah, it's like, it's a perfect fit for them. I think he's a good, he, he's a perfect runner for that system. Um, I think he can be a factor in the, in the passing game too. Like, and so like get, get the 49ers, like a, um a sustaining back like him, that type of guy. Cause they, they've sort of gotten by over the last few years with, um you know, like the, the it feels like they always were just rotating. Cause everybody keeps getting hurt. I don't know if Trey Sermon can stay healthy either, but like, you know, they just haven't really seemed to have a guy like Sermon, like that size and that explosiveness, the quickness in the short area. Like they have, you know, like Mostert is a he's a track guy, basically, yes. that's just like is a perfect fit for them. But like he hasn't proven to be able to to be a sustaining type back. So um, I think they they stepped to their identity really well, um, going Lance, Banks, Sermon, and they also picked Elijah Mitchell in the sixth round, who is a very interesting guy too. He ran like a four, three, something, um, small school guy, but very explosive and he'll give them sort of, I think, cause they don't have anybody under contract after next year before they took mm-hmm. these two guys. And so gives them sort of like the thunder and lightning element going forward. So I thought overall their draft was really solid. Um, they stuck to their philosophy, their identity, you know, they took, they're getting better on offensive line. They're getting better at running back they're going to run the hell out of the ball. They're going to play action and they're going to throw it deep. And they all, they have also spent like over the last couple seasons, like high end capital on, on receivers. And they, obviously they have Kittle. So um, pretty complete roster right now, at least offensively, you know, they have a few holes to fill defensively, but um, I think they're still going to have a really good defense too.
0: Yeah. Guard was, I should have had guard and cornerback were kind of both areas. I thought they were just, so seeing them go yeah. guard early wasn't entirely surprising. I think Trey Sermon's just an awesome fit um you know he as you mentioned took a while to like get going last season and then was absolutely yeah. <laughs> terrifying at the end there but he's got he is a perfect system fit for Shanahan's um wide zone offense you know he it has really good vision, really good balance. He doesn't have like crazy top end speed. Uh, and that's where I think most kind of more comes into play, but yeah. it make it just makes a ton of sense. Um, all right. Well, that sucks for us. All right. Moving on. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm happy for you. Niners fans. Uh, so I'm even happier for fans of the Chicago bears who I said were the most in the most depressing place of any fan should be, frankly, you know, I said it. Of any fan base going in, like before the draft. <laughs> well, I mean, like God, what? It's like you're what stuck you ha- in purgatory. What? Yeah, exactly. Like, what did you have to look forward to as a Bears fan? You had QB one, the Red Rifle, and then boom, <laughs> shock, pow. Ryan Pace throws a hail mary. They trade <laughs> up from twenty to eleven for Justin Fields. Uh, Cost them a first next year and a couple late round picks, which I think is a great trade. Uh, mm. So you know we can talk about their other picks in a minute, but just like how happy are you for Bears fans? I, but is, <laughs> but is, that, is that happiness mitigated? Like, do you think Justin Fields is being? Now I'm going to pour some cold water on this. Do you think he's been put in a decent situation to succeed? Are you worried? Right.
1: About yeah. Uh, well, I would say in terms of the potential landing spots for Fields um it is not the ideal situation it would probably be it would rank a little lower on the list of teams i wanted him to go to i think i wanted him to go to denver because they're just set up to have so much success if they get a good quarterback there um i was a little bit excited for him to go to carolina even though their their supporting cast might not be that strong in terms of defense and things like that but I, getting him with joe brady would have been fun i'm very intrigued and ever, and since this pick happened i've seen more people talking about how Matt Nagy might be better than we think he is. And and so I'm intrigued to find out if that's true because <laughs> over the last few years, he's not, he's not impressed me whatsoever, but like going back to when he was, you know, with the chiefs, there's a reason he got a head coaching job is because he's coming from this system where, you know, hopefully it's not all uh, Andy Reid. Like hopefully he picked up some, some tips and stuff like that from, from that, from running that offense. And so, um, I'm very intrigued to find out if that will happen. I do think them trading up and, and this is, you know, getting to the rest of their draft, get, getting Tevin Jenkins, who I thought was a first round talent mm. um, in the second round helps them on the offensive line. Um, they have Allen Robinson, who's like a real number one. I, this just for this year, obviously, hopefully, you know, maybe they can get him locked up long term later, but um, they have him, you know, they did go out and draft a second round uh, tight end Cole Komet. He could have a, he could, take a jump, I think, this year. I think he looked pretty solid last year um, for a rookie tight end, which is, you know, pretty rare. And then so, like, and then obviously like David Montgomery is a fine running back. I wouldn't say it's like a great landing spot, but the defense does help him. I think having like a solid defense, it's not like they're going to be having to get him into shootouts where he's having to force it, you know, all the time. Like, you know, you get into the situation like where Joe Burrow was last year where you have to throw the ball like 50 times a game. Like, that's not going to be I think what Justin Fields is best at. I think he's more of a, you know, a guy that he can contribute in the run game. They can, they can build a whole read option, like a run game with what he can do. Um, play action, he's, he's very, very accurate downfield. So I think that will help the guys in the receiving core, you know, look a little bit better than they have over the last couple of years. Like, is this maybe Allen Robinson's best quarterback ever? Like, even before he's even stepped on the field. <laughs> and so, um, Yeah, like I would say, it's not the greatest situation, and and it worries me. Like from someone who wants Fields to succeed, because I had him ranked high, and I want to look smart. Um, (laughs) I want him to succeed, but it's it's a situation where like if if uh, if Nagy gets fired after this year, if they don't like, you know, if they Uh. like start slow or whatever, if they don't start Justin Fields at the beginning of the year, like God forbid if they, they go with Andy Dalton and start like one and three or something, and then it just kind of doesn't ever come back. And they then Nagy gets fired and then they have they bring in new people, they bring in a new coach, maybe doesn't like Fields' skill set. Like there's just a lot of ways this could go wrong and, and end up looking like a bad choice. So I'm really hoping they can hit the ground running this year, the defense will kind of carry them, use it use that as a foundation. You know, sort of like the way that Russell Wilson uh, came into the with the Seahawks they had like a really good defense. They didn't have to like make him throw a whole bunch, like his rookie years, first couple of years. And that'll just help, I think, you know, give him a chance to, uh, you know, succeed early on in his career.
0: Yeah. I think there's, that Russell Wilson, I mean, it's no coincidence. It is a coincidence. And I guess that's embarrassed Pursued Russell Wilson and ended <laughs> up with Justin Fields. I mean, they're very um, physically dissimilar, but they, they do have some qualities in common um, the dual threat ability, the mm-hmm. beautiful deep ball, the, the accuracy, and then um the fact that they both kind of hold on to football too long sometimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what you want is to be closer to Russ and further away from Ben Select came on my show a million years ago and started talking about Justin Fields and was like, God, I sound like I'm talking about Carson Wentz. He he didn't mean it like he loved Justin <laughs> Fields, but he he was talking about the negatives, right? And yeah, yeah. I see a little bit of that, the the hero-ish ball-ish. That, oh, I, you know. I,
1: yeah, I think in my scouting report, I even I, I I don't know if I wrote an article about this or, or put it in my scouting report. I can't remember, but I said he's got a little Carson Wentzian, uh, like, tendency to try and throw the ball when there's like someone on his shoulder, like, draped yes. over him. You know what I mean? Yes. Like, just take a sack, yes. dude. Yeah, so and that, that's, that's, that's different from that.
0: Fields, or Wilson, rather. Like, it's a different kind of right. unnecessary sack-taking. It's more the, like, I'm big and I'm going to try to keep, and I've got a big arm and I'm going to try to keep the play alive. Um, I think like an enormous thing for uh, Chicago, and this is stems from watching Justin Fields at Ohio state is using his legs, which is something they didn't do enough at Ohio state for various reasons. I don't know. Mm -hmm. And like, to me, like it, I would not be hesitate to take advantage of that because the dude is, can run and is great, great, Runner and um so yeah I I'm I'm thrilled I, I think I was a little bit confused they the Bears cut their left tackle Charles Leno Junior like today oh, yeah or whatever about that. That's great. so great I don't know start. if they yeah good start I don't know if they're planning on starting Tevin Jenkins at left tackle or what the deal is with that but um right, right. that is that is a concern I have um yeah but uh, otherwise awesome um all right let's mm-hmm. let's let's get to the final quarterback taken in the first round and and for some time falling the draft is a flat circle Danny because Matt Jones ended up all the way back with the team who many people linked to him months ago uh the New England Patriots at 15 yep how do you feel about this
1: (laughs) I mean I think it's a good fit for him it makes sense um you know, what they've done over obviously with the last twenty years or whatever with, with Tom Brady, you know, it's their, their um they they can build an offense around him that's like timing based, he's very accurate, he's a pocket passer. Um, all that stuff I think makes a ton of sense. You know, I, I would have probably preferred if they would have traded up for Justin Fields. I think that would have been like the better play for them. <laughs> you have dog barking in the background there.
0: Lenny Lenny apparently does not like the pick or Let the please. fact that uh, a yeah. delivery person decided to come at this moment. It's power through <laughs>
1: Do you want me to wait or just okay? Just go. No,
0: keep going. Keep going. All right. Is, he, you know, Lenny. Yeah.
1: So I think so. What what's interesting to me, and I think it's gonna be fascinating to watch this year is if he is the starter this year. And I get um, whether he is or not. I guess it doesn't make a difference because they signed you know both Johnny Smith and uh, and Hunter Henry to long term deals. It's just gonna be interesting to see the type of offense they run. Like the two tight end yeah. offense is gonna be like a heavy two tight end offense. I'm sure they're gonna be be run heavy. Um, and. Throwback. Yeah, he it's going to be closer to like what we saw. You know, I don't, I'm not going to say they're going to be running like the, the Gronk Hernandez offense or whatever that they were running before. But um, I think the the idea is like you, you get teams into uh, defensive personnel that you want and then you can like do whatever you want. You can like speed things up. You can do go tempo, blah, blah, blah. Um, both of those guys are versatile enough to be factors in the run game or the passing game. So that's like why they wanted those guys. I think it's going to be interesting to see what they do with Mac Jones. Um I kind of feel a little bit like Mac Jones became the butt of a lot of people's jokes and like 49er fans like legitimately like hated Mac Jones there towards the end because they thought the the 49ers were going to take him. Um, But he's a good, you know, he's a good prospect in his own right. Very, very accurate. Um, And, you know, it's just, I think it's interesting because I really loved Tua coming out last year. Maybe Tua's Mm. lack of success this season um, which I think is also related to his su- support system and his injury, but his his lack of success this season probably kind of soured me a little bit on on what I think Mac Jones can do, but I think he's you know he's got the tool set to be a pretty good pro
0: well, I'm glad he brought that up because I think Mac Jones landed in a much better situation, yeah, yeah, yeah? like especially given um kind of what I said earlier about the pro readiness my biggest concern for Mac Jones and this was obviously not something that applied to San Francisco either, but would have applied to like Chicago if he landed with a team with a bad offensive line. I would have said uh this is not, not going to go well. Right, but he didn't. He landed with the Patriots, where the the problem might be the skill players. Who you know, they, I think they've got some interesting pieces. I actually, <laughs> I like Kendrick Bourne. Um <laughs> Yeah, and, and, but um, you know, he, that's a good offensive line. So I I think, frankly, it does. I don't really like whether or not he starts week one or whatever gets to come in if Cam Newton struggles is kind of irrelevant to me. I think it's a great landing spot for him. And yeah, it is yeah. a sign the Patriots are kind of like if, if you know I said with Shanahan, it was like, okay, he has the whole buffet of options at quarterbacking and this is going to tell us what he thinks about the position and where football's going. I don't really feel that with New England because obviously they didn't have all the options. They just said, okay, like let's let's go back to the thing we did well and <laughs> Not saying Mac Jones is Tom Brady, but we, you know, we can run that kind of offense uh, with him, and um, it makes sense. The the thing that's quietly kind of because of all the attention around the quarterbacks, and we can end here before breaking, is the New England kind of swung big on defense too. So after Mac with pick thirty eight, they traded up for Christian Barmore, who was widely seen as the best um, interior rusher, pass rusher, and defensive lineman in the class out of Alabama, and then. Took another well, an edge rusher, Ronnie Perkins out of Oklahoma, who mm-hmm. was kind of an exciting, high variant pick. Um, how do you feel about that? And like, what do you think it tells us about this Bill Belichick defense?
1: Yeah. So they, I like the Barmore pick. Um, they, he was a guy that I think a lot of people thought might go in the first round. Some people had him as the best defensive tackle in the draft. Um, was he the first one to go? Was he the first defensive yeah. tackle to come off the board, which is crazy yes. because like most of the time it's like in the top 15. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, he, there was rumors that it was like some off field stuff like maturity or whatever, nothing like serious, but, um, I think he's, he's a disruptive player. He reminded me of Quentin Williams stylistically, like big, long, very slippery, hard, hard to like block him. Cause he just was so good at getting guys like lunging and like using his hands, like club moves, swipes and everything like that. Swim moves. Um, I thought he was a really fun player, but he, he was the type of guy who like came on really strong at the end of the year. And like if you yeah. watched his early year tape, it wasn't very good. And so what are you gonna get? I, I trust the Patriots like defensive staff to coach him up and, and turn him into a productive player, I think. And and I really like Ronnie Perkins. Um I go I went in not really thinking I was gonna like him as much because he's maybe a little bit undersized and he's a little stiff, but he's really explosive and um just plays like high motor physical um i don't know i just like him i think he's the type of guy that they could they could definitely use as like a situational rusher so it just adds to their depth i think they're gonna be a defensive team defensive run game um not ask if jones starts not ask jones to do much um same with cam newton you know if, if newton ends up starting just like slow things down control tempo control the clock that you know all that cliche stuff that They've done forever, though. Um, I think that they, they will, you know, they have a good ch- chance of doing that because they basically patched all the holes they had in, in free agency and then everything else in the draft now other than Jones is sort of just like a bonus. Like Ramondre Stevenson, who I mm-hmm. like, I thought is like, why do you need to take a running back? Because they've already got like four or five guys in that room. But um, I kind of like that pick anyway, just because I think he's a little bit different when, than everybody else they got right now.
0: Fantasy nightmare, as always. Um, <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, all right, let's take a quick break and talk about some of the drafts we are excited about and the drafts that made us go, hmm. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, click Grainger.com or just stop
2: by. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Do you ever wonder what you would do if you had unlimited hours in the day? Would you pick up a new hobby or focus on one you've neglected lately? Would you spend time with those people you haven't seen in a while? Well, there's a chance if you've considered having more time in the day, you're too overworked, stressed, and you haven't spent enough time focusing on yourself, that's where BetterHelp comes in. Therapy can be the spark to help you organize everything in your life and prioritize yourself. The journey of self-improvement isn't an easy one, but I believe when you devote time to your mental health, you become a better version of yourself. So let BetterHelp be your guide along the way. Give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. You can even switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com/ Mina Show, M-I-N-A-S-H-O-W, today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Mina Show.
0: So, Danny, beginning with the excitement, I feel like this is the chalk pick amongst football dorks and draft people, (laughs) but whatever, it's my podcast. I I love the Browns draft. Yes. Um, So the Browns came into this offseason – like every, you know, when we're looking at the offseason needs of each team, the Browns had a very glaring one, which was pass defense. And what do they do? Well, they went out. And they <laughs> took John Johnson and Troy Hill from the Rams. Um, and then in the draft, they with the first pick, they drafted Greg Newsom, the second out of Northwestern. Uh, and then in the second round. Took a guy who slipped because of medical issues related to a heart condition, Jeremiah owusu Kormo out of Notre Dame, yeah, who a lot of people yeah. had earmarked as a first round guy. Um, then after that, Anthony Schwartz, speedster wide receiver, literally like one of the fastest, I think, like set a world record or something. I don't know. Yeah. Out of Auburn, um, now no longer has to catch passes from Bo Nix. Uh, and then another pick <laughs> I love, I mean, again, Tommy Togiai, fourth round, great value. I think that dude can play in the NFL um, a defensive tackle at Ohio mm-hmm. state. I thought he, when, when he, he was on like the COVID list going into the national championship. And that was the one where I was like, all right, it's a wrap, which <laughs> may be a little dramatic for Tawny toe. Yeah, but whatever. Um, so just backing up to the first two picks, like Greg mm. Newsome is a guy who like, I feel like had a lot of heat kind of a month before the draft, all of a sudden, when everyone kind of went back and watched and cause he, there wasn't a lot to watch. At right. Northwestern, but, um, you know, was just incredibly complete and, uh, at Northwestern played, they play a lot of zone. So it's very easy to imagine him in this Brown secondary, um, Kormoa, like I actually find, I don't know exactly how he's going to be deployed in the Browns right. defense, That's, but uh, I love the player. And so I just think like, man, talk about not only addressing needs, but also getting the best players available.
1: Yeah, like the value of getting Cora at that spot is crazy because I had him as my ninth overall player, which I I even went in wow. knowing I, I went in knowing that it probably wasn't going to line up with what the NFL thought because number one we're coming off of a season where Isaiah Simmons was yeah disappointing I guess you know they didn't have a, a real good plan for him I think at the beginning I think it, it, there's still a very good chance he's going to turn out to be a really great player but like you know these these sort of hybrid players, I think the NFL looks at him a little bit differently than maybe like draft geeks like me, where I, I'm just like, man, this guy's incredibly fun to watch. He flies all over the field. He plays in the slot. He, he's basically like a big slot defender, more or mm-hmm. less. I think he was like played over the slot more often than not. He played yes. in the box some. But um I think what he brings and I actually I, I, I remember Nate uh, Nate Tyson and, and Robert Mays were talking about this on their pod. Like basically you can you have him in there. He can play like a number of different roles, but like he's big. And so like, if you get, if you get another team that comes out and wants to run against, you know, your personnel where you got him in there, he can come down in the box and he can hit, but he also hmm. can cover. So it, it makes it hard for the offense to like get you stuck in like a, a, like a personnel group that they can really exploit. Like, cause like most nickel corners, like if he's playing over the nickel, uh, like a big nickel type role, um, most corners are, you know, it's going to be, you can block those guys. They're not going to want to come up and, and play hard at the line of scrimmage. It's like, you know, a good way to like run at teams. And like, that's the way I think of the Patriots are gonna, going to go back to the Patriots. They want, they're going big and heavy and they want to like take it, take advantage of the fact that the NFL defenses are getting smaller, but a guy like Koromoa can, you know, he can play, he can play like a normal linebacker role, but he can also be like a slot defender where, you know, he's a plus run defender. And mm. he's like flying into the backfield, but he's also a good slot defender. So um, I don't know exactly how, what that translates to. And and I was like really, really surprised to see him fall that far. And then it came, I think Schefter re- reported today or yesterday that it was because of a heart issue. And that to me made much more sense. I thought he'd fall yeah. into the, into the late, late half of the, or back half of the first round rather than like top 10. I didn't know if he would go that high, but um, yeah. it was definitely really surprising.
0: Yeah, to have him fall that far is just very fortunate. Very un- unfortunate for him, but very fortunate for the Browns. He is a tweener type, but he plays with such physicality that you kind of forget about it when you watch him. You know, um, yeah, it's it, very easy for me to imagine him being used the way you just described, and also like let's stay in the division, like sp- spying Lamar Jackson potentially. Like there you he go. has that, he has that kind of speed. So I, I love the pick. Um, okay, so what's a draft that you? are excited about
1: uh let's see here so I, this one might be a little controversial but i like what the Bengals did Ooh,
0: okay <laughs> yeah this this is i think controversial <laughs> so i'm give yeah. me sell it
1: so i will say i i leaned that they should have taken Pene sewell at number five however i'm not going to really complain about the fact they took jamar chase because jamar chase to me is like a rare prospect at receiver he's insanely good um you know, just in terms of like the measurables, the stats, everything that you look about, he's like really young. Everything that you look at, he's elite from an analytical point of view. He's also going into the NFL and going to be playing with his college quarterback. I think he's able to hit the ground running. Um, he gives that offense, it's like a force m- multiplier because now you have T. Higgins, who is going to be their number one, is their number two. And he's like going to be a really good number two. Um, it helps out Tyler Boyd in the slot. Like it's going to open things up for Mixon, I think. So despite the fact that their offense probably would have been very secure and very good if they would have gone Sewell here, I think Chase has the ability to be a big factor for them too, in terms of just their explosiveness, their ability to, to change the way defenses like defend them. So I really like that pick. So like from there, obviously I think people were disappointed with like everything else they did. Jackson Carmen. I was actually, I think higher on Carmen than a lot of people. I think he was in like the fifties for me. So um, hmm. I thought that was a fine pick. He'll he'll go in and play guard, which I think they need. They did have a need at guard. And then they also came back and got um, Deontay Smith from East Carolina, who, you know, he's, he's definitely more of a developmental type, but he has like insanely long arms, really good athlete. I really liked the edge defenders. They took like Osai in the third round. And then Cameron sample from Tulane in the fourth round, like two guys, will come in and, and rotate in. And I think they will be solid for them. Tyler Shelwin's like this massive space eater in the middle. Um, you know, so I think they did a really good job. Like, they, I think their draft was really solid. I think people are down on them because they didn't do the, the Penny Sewell thing and then like come back and grab a receiver in the second round. I think a lot of people thought that would have been better. Um, yeah. but man, I don't know. I think Chase is just going to be a game changer.
0: Wow. Yeah. I, I, I was, I kind of went back and forth on Chase versus Sewell like a few times, um, for the draft. Ultimately, I kind of leaned taking Sewell, but I don't think it was like, I don't know, a massive mistake, right. you know, right. like I, I get it. I understand the thinking behind it. And, um, you know, I do like that they're investing in their defensive line after swapping out Lawson for Hendrickson, which mm-hmm. wasn't something, a move I loved. Um, so I, I, like, I, I think, the Bengals are still like a year or two away or whatnot. So taking a guy like Chase, who has the upside of a true number one, like a true, true number one wide receiver, <laughs> right. and, and then taking some high upside guys on defense, um, I get it. It makes sense. They also yeah. drafted a kicker. I just saw which, uh, in the fifth round. Which is <laughs> I didn't
1: scout any of the kickers, I'll be honest. Evan McPherson yeah. out of
0: Florida. Oh, Florida. Yeah, I think I did know about that guy. All right, I'm going to choose another team that I liked. And again, this is a popular pick, the Los Angeles Chargers. Yeah. So if all they had done was gotten Rashawn Slater in the first round of 13, because it, we were doing a bunch of mocks, and I don't think – we just didn't have Slater falling to them. I I, I wasn't yeah, part of any yeah. mocks where he made it to them, and everyone knew that they needed a left tackle, and um, you know, like him and Sewell were kind of in this tier above everyone else for yep. offensive tackles, and so to have like need and talent aligned so well, like here's the the Chargers' offensive line now: Rashawn Slater, former Seahawk Ode Abushi, Corey Lindsley. Really? Matt Faylor and Brian Bulaga. Like, that's nice. Solid. I mean, yeah. Like, goodness gracious. Um, if those guys stay healthy, it's the Chargers, and everybody knock on your desk. <laughs> um, that's just, you know, really, really great. And then, on, <laughs> really, really great. Um, also on offense, they added uh, Nate Tice's favorite, Josh Palmer out of Tennessee, who <laughs> I think he referred to as a power slot. He's
1: yep. Power, power slot. slot.
0: Yeah, I don't know if that's going to take off, but um, <laughs> <laughs> which, as I understand, it just means like a slack guy who's kind of big and strong, which, uh, you know, yeah. I, I I think makes sense with the receivers they have. Then on the other side of the ball in the second round, uh, they got Asante Samuel Jr. out of FSU, which, again, like perfect fit for what Brandon Staley does on defense. What we saw him do with the Rams. Um And we imagine he's going to import to LA or, you know, with the talent they have um, it's going to be primarily zone, you know, they're not going to ask him to press too much. I mean, so Samuel classic coaches, kids, stereotypes, like, (laughs) Oh, he knows the game really smart and, you know, instinctive, but um, he's, he's kind of smaller. So, you know, like it is really about his technique and ability to read quarterbacks and That'll be important for playing for Staley. So I, I I just really like this draft and I really like this team. I'm really excited about the Chargers generally.
1: No, seriously. So they, yeah, it's like they came into the draft with basically one big need and that was left tackle. And then they freaking don't even have to move up. I had them moving up for Sewell in my final mock draft because I was like, they got to get a left tackle. Like they sort of painted themselves into a corner. Not really like they probably could have gotten by without like doing it, but. And then they have Slater just fall into their laps at 13. I mean, that's just like awesome for them. So that's perfect. Love that fit. I think he's great. I think he's really, really good. Like he's on the same tier, I think, as Sewell. So getting him at 13 was a steal. Um, like you said, you know, Samuel just makes so much sense for them. Um, and then I was also a big Josh Palmer guy. I think it's like tape heads, I guess, were really into this guy because he didn't produce much. You know, he didn't have very many yards. Um and he was sort of like a, a late riser because he did well at the senior bowl, but um, he's just a good, he's just a good player who can get over the top of the defense. Like surprisingly good to deep, um, he beat um, a couple of the top corners. I think he beat Sertain for a touchdown, and then uh, maybe Tyson Campbell. I can't remember exactly who who the other one was, but he's he's like beat a couple of really good corners for touchdowns this year. Even though their their offense and their passing it was just atrocious, so um, I think he's got a chance to come in and be you know like a a good solid number three or whatever this year but then like if mike williams leaves in free agency because he's going into his fifth year option this year mike williams is and so he could be potentially like sort of the the mike williams replacement next year he to me was a guy who his hands were just insanely strong like just like a vacuum hand type guy. Like it never, you never doubt it when, when the balls in his area he just comes out with it. So, um, I liked him a lot. He just, you know, he's just not a guy that has much production on his, uh, on his resume. Um, one guy like late in the, late in the draft that Larry Roundtree is kind of interesting one too. Um, he's a, a running back that I kind of had on my radar. He's a little bit explosive, uh, elusive. He's not like a, like a three down, like star type player, but he could be, um, an intre- If he makes a team, it could be an interesting sort of um, one-two punch with with Eckler. So I don't know. We'll see what happens there. But I thought he was a good late round pick too.
0: I'm a. Uh, I I know the the rep of Palmer beating Sertan because I believe Nate Tice tweeted it, and he has <laughs> yeah, fully right. incepted our brains uh, with his <laughs> gra- grainy video footage. All right, uh, final one that you like before we get to the Hums.
1: Okay, so I got to say the Lions. I really like the Lions draft, and I was not expecting to because, I mean, honestly, you come in and you hear the Dan Campbell like uh, you know speech about biting off kneecaps, and you're just like, I don't know what this is going to be like. This seems like it's going in the wrong direction. But then you come out of this draft, you're like, okay, they have a vision, they have a philosophy, they have a style, they have a identity that they want to get. I get it. They took Sewell, which I think was a smart move. The Lions are definitely in that, I guess, that little tier where you're like, three years down the line, we're going to be like, why the f*** did they not take Justin Fields? But I think in their case, it actually does make sense because they need to set the foundation of their team, set the foundation of their roster before they're really ready to have a guy like that come in and succeed. So taking Sewell with number with their first pick, I thought was good. Um, Levi Levi Onwuzurike. I'm not. I'm probably mispronouncing that. Onwuzurike.
0: Um, yeah. Yeah.
1: I thought he was a. I thought he was one of my favorite defensive tackles. So he's. I think a really good pick there. And and he came out afterwards and had like a classic, uh, Dan Campbell quote about basically he really loves to make the guy in front of him just feel bad. Like he just wants him to feel like shit after he blocks him. Can I swear on this? By the way, I don't. know.
0: Yeah, well you already did a couple times. Huh?
1: <laughs> are you gonna are we gonna edit those out? But no, um, no. And then Alem McNeils, like super athletic, defensive tackle, The um, Melafanwu, I think, you know, he's not necessarily a, a like a kneecap biter, but he's big, long, physical. And then Amon Ra St. Brown, another big sort not big, but like physical style guy. His dad is literally Mr. Universe, like um, You know, I just think their draft. Like I always like it when a draft has a common thread, or at least at least you can see the plan. You know what I mean? Like a lot of teams is just like, okay, this is just a collection of players. I don't know what they're doing here. Um, The Lions had a very clear plan, and so I, I like that about their draft.
0: I, I liked it too. They went full hog, Molly. I think this draft is great for like <laughs> yeah. the Lions organization. I don't think it's particularly great for Jared Goff, <laughs> which you know, <laughs> right, which frankly, right. like, should not be the concern of the Lions because the Lions yeah. are not going to be good this year. He's the like,
1: sacrificial lamb, I think, a little bit. He's just gonna yeah.
0: The Rams <laughs> literally turned him into one um, yeah. because get it like a ram and lamb. Got it. Um, got it. <laughs> yeah, because like this receiving group, like I like you know, Brown and the fourth round, but like, let's be real. Like they got a bunch of wide receiver threes. Right. And, yes. Yes. And fine. They can get a great, because I, you know, before uh Penne fell to them, I think most people were mocking Devonte Smith or Jalen Waddle mm-hmm. to them. And they were like, nah, we're going to take the best player available because we're a bad team and we should take the best player <laughs> available. And you know what? And like, yeah, we already have a left tackle and Taylor Decker, but whatever. and, I think that's exactly the right approach for them. Yeah. Um, yeah. so Onzarique, you know, was really good in 2018. I remember Go Huskies. But um, you know, like he he's like a high upside guy. Mm-hmm. McNeil, my comp for him was the Evergreen, the ship that got stuck in the Suez Canal. <laughs> said, um,
1: that's good. Yeah.
0: So I love I uh. I, love, I like the Lions draft as well. I love did you see the footage of um Former Brett, uh, former Rams GM. Speaking of Rams, Brad Holmes, when they got Sua, how pumped he was!
1: No, I didn't see that. It's
0: really, it's really good. I it's, can like imagine. You could, yeah. you could tell that, like they truly, were, I think, were surprised that the Bengals like passed the, on him.
1: Yeah, it's like the perfect scenario sort of went down to, for them to totally. get that. Yeah, Um totally. So it, it just made too much sense to me, and I'm like buying in. I find myself buying into the Lions now, which is well, yeah, probably like a bad co- idea. I
0: like their coaching hire. It, we'll just give it some time.
1: Yeah, All right. Yeah.
0: Drafts that make you go, hmm. We'll, we'll, we won't spend as much time on these because I don't like being negative. Um, I'm sure. going to go first. The, the Saints, I feel like I'm always apprehensive because they've not always, but I'm apprehensive now because they've had so many good drafts um, over the last few years. But mm-hmm. so the Saints took Peyton Turner out of Houston, who
1: mm-hmm.
0: is an edge rusher, extremely athletic, six foot six, 270 pounds, long arms, explosive. Um, you know, didn't, like, play a lot of great competition. The one game, actually, Danny, where he did flash to me was I, I watched Houston BYU, um, and so that was, like, he was kind of a late riser, too, but I remember him yep, standing yeah. out to me against Zach Wilson, just purely from watching Zach Wilson. Um yeah. You know, it makes sense. Like, I think they did let... So, Trey Hendrickson left. They still have Marcus Davenport and, of course, Cam, Cam Jordan, but... I don't know. I I think maybe it it sounded like to me they maybe could have gotten him a little bit later. Uh, And then linebacker Pete Werner out of Ohio State. I wasn't super high on him, candidly. Certainly not in the second round. Paulson Adebo out of Stanford, full disclosure, did not watch corner. Makes sense that they went corner. And then Ian Book, um, fourth round (laughs) out of Notre Dame. I just don't. Again, a, a player I'm not incredibly high on. I'd love to be wrong. Um and and like you know they didn't they had, they didn't wait until seventh round to add a wide receiver so yeah. I don't know I just didn't love it as a whole
1: I, I'm with you I think there was just no this is a, one of those drafts where it didn't it didn't feel like you knew what the plan was I did like Turner I think it was a bit of a well you never know what a reach is but it felt like a reach because um I think he was like more projected to be like a mid second rounder early mid second rounder so maybe they could have traded back and still got him who knows but. Um, I did like that pick, but I'm with you. Like Werner, I watched him sort of late in the process. He, he didn't really stand out to me. I did like a debo. I think he was a guy that I wanted for is our he, Seahawks. Okay. By the way, um, mm, okay. But good. so that pick was good. But like again, like you go through this list, and um, it, I thought it was interesting that they were addressing the defense hard with their first three picks. Um, I'm just very curious, like what they're going to do on offense, and then they pick Ian Book in the fourth round. I just don't know what the plan there is. And yeah, so I, I, you know, they didn't have a ton of draft ammo or whatever, but um, I didn't come out thinking like this was like a great class. So, yeah, I, I'm kind of with you. It was just mm. sort of meh, you know.
0: Okay. And how about you?
1: Uh, So one of them, I think this is just an easy one. It was just a layup like the Texans draft, like made no sense to me. Mm. Um, They mm. didn't have any. Uh, They didn't have hardly any draft capital. So like that's baked into this <laughs> into the grade. Like their first pick was third round, 67th overall. But taking Davis Mills I think was a weird decision just based on the fact that um, even if they are moving forward and it sounds like they are moving forward without Deshaun Watson like there's not a team that's really ready for they I, I felt like they should have used like what the Lions did use, use those picks to like build a foundation and they pick Davis Mills yes. and they trade up to get Whew. Nico Collins It's not like they're one or two players away And so yeah. I just thought it was bizarre like the way that they, the the positions they took the the players they took i didn't see the plan um especially if if watson's gone you know i just none of it really made sense to me so i didn't like that one at all um but that was like i think that's a layup
0: yeah yeah i it, it, i love your point about the lions like you be like the lions right now like you're not good we accept that fine <laughs> yeah. foundational players it. yes i like i do like um the tight end the little guy. Brevin Jordan, out of the who they got in the fifth round. But um, yeah, it's it's not great. I don't want to dunk on the Texans. There's just so much dunking to be had. That's fair. Um That's fair. all right. Well, I'm gonna this is, here's I'm actually more nervous about this one for I don't I don't know. I didn't look to see how they were graded, but I was a little apprehensive about the Colts draft. Um mm-hmm. so like on one hand, I I they needed edge rush. And I think Justin Houston is still a free agent. I know he's had visits, but... Um, I believe so, yeah. Maybe I'm wrong. Danico Autry's gone. Uh, so it made sense. They With the first two picks, they went edge rush. Quiddy Pay out of Michigan, who a lot of people thought would be the first edge rusher taken. Uh, and then Dio Odeid, Odeingbo. 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 Oh, really? Okay. From Vanderbilt. Um, I guess it was an interesting decision to me to go pay bef- when Derisaw the uh, Virginia tech tackle was still on the board. Given that like the chargers, it was such an obvious area of need for the Colts left tackle and the Colts, unlike the lions, and the Texans are a team that should contend. Right. So like, yes. I guess yeah. I was surprised that they didn't hit offensive tackle and because after the edge rushers and they got a tight end um, and then it, they also had Sam Ellinger at the sixth round, which I'm only seeing now, but um I guess just the fact that, you know, with Anthony Casanza retiring, there's still a question mark at left tackle. Sam Tevy from the Chargers, interestingly enough, who (laughs) was not good there, is the answer now that's concerning to me. They didn't, you know, they're, they're, the wide receiver group is still a little bit underwhelming. So yes, yeah. I, I I guess I don't want to lean too far into like needs, you know, because you don't want to be like, well, they didn't fill their needs <laughs> with when it's right, a, right. And clearly the cults are so process oriented. And so like, we're going to stick to our principles and, and take the guys we want. And it has worked out for them, but it's kind of getting to the point where it's like, all right, let like, me we'll hit some needs now, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I guess that's why the same I, I feel, yeah. yeah.
1: I came away with the same, uh, I don't know what it was just like under, it was an underwhelming draft for them. I, I, it's hard to get excited about, I guess. Um, and part of that is Odangbo. He tore his Achilles in January. So there's a strong chance he's not even going to play this season. Or if he does, it won't be till late. And then it's going to be like very hard to work yourself into the rotation, all that stuff. Like he's going to have to red shirt the season. If he hadn't gotten injured, this pick would look a lot better, but it's one of those things where, you know, number one, you don't know exactly how quickly he's going to come back. Number two, like Achilles is generally speaking and not a good injury to have for like an explosive player, like a big explosive player. So I don't know. It just felt like that was underwhelming. Um, I did like the pay one. It was fine. I'm with you, though. Like for a team that went out and traded um, for a quarterback who needs to rehabilitate his confidence and his career, really. And they're and it feels like they're kind of banking on this, like banking on this happening. Um, it didn't really feel like they did a lot to get better on offense. And so again, like uh, you do, like you walk a, th- a fin, a, there's a fine line between you know, BPA, taking the best player available and filling needs. I, I don't know how they got much better on, on offense this, this offseason. And so um, hmm. you know, even with Wentz, like, I don't know. It's just one of those things where I think the priority would be to surround Wentz with more talent, take more pressure off of him, um, help him rehabilitate his career and all that. Maybe they just have a lot of confidence that it's not going to be a problem. But you know, you you're looking at the Colts' like overall offense is, um, especially in the passing game. It's like. I guess, but my question would be like, how many how many skill groups are are worse? At least at the receiver hmm. position in the NFL, how many are worse? Yeah,
0: they need Pittman to take like a big yeah, and game. Paris Campbell
1: needs to be healthy. Um, you right. know, I don't know. He it's just one of those getting things. older.
0: Who they brought back? I think Jonathan yeah.
1: Taylor is good, but like, I don't know if necessarily that's that's going to be enough to like yeah. help Wentz. Like, they need passing game like explosiveness. So they need what like. You know, they need what the Bengals are doing, in my opinion, which is surrounding your quarterback with guys that are going to make him look good kind of deal. And so, mm. I don't know. It's just one of those things where I'm, I'm just curious how this is going to go. And, and I did come away kind of feeling underwhelmed.
0: All right. So, one more team that underwhelmed you.
1: The Steelers, I think, were a team that I was just like, I, I, I kind of can see their plan and I understand it, but I don't know if it's the right plan. Because I think... Najee Harris will help their offense. I think he's going to be a good running back and, um, you know, he'll come in and, and be an immediate contributor. I think Pat Fryermuth is a solid tight end, but when you look at that roster, when you look at that team, like, are these two guys going to help um, make the Steelers a Super Bowl team or is it just sort of like a band-aid type deal? Uh, that's kind of like where I came away with it. And it was just like, I don't know if they got that much better. And I look at their whole draft, um, and frankly, like I didn't watch a lot of the guys they took in the later rounds. I don't know if they're going to be like impact players, but like their first few round guys, I just didn't. I, I just hard hard to get excited about these guys.
0: The final pick is a punter, Presley Harvin. <laughs> that's III. Great, by the way. Yeah, and that's really bothering me because I keep seeing Percy Harvin and it keeps um, messing with me. <laughs> um, yeah, like Najee Harris, love the player, uh, hate that he has to run behind that offensive line. I, I just, yeah. you know, yeah. I mean, it's just, you know, I think. De Castro's still there. I know they like Kevin Dotson. Zach Banner is getting healthy, so you could. There's a case to be made that it could be better than it was at the end of last season. But it's still not an area of strength that it, that it once was. And then with Bill Nueva signing with a rival, in mm. Baltimore, it's just not great. Um, yeah, I, 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 I'm I with you there. And, you know, maybe like Najee, like, look, this is probably Ben's last year, right? Like, almost yeah. definitely. So Najee and Pat are both really good. I think they're good players. And so for the next iteration of the Steelers, I think that would be the optimistic case for me. Like, you know what? Rather than addressing need, they went with players that they thought were the best available and players that could be like good contributors for a while. Like, I could see Pat Friermuth being their Heath Miller. Right. Too, right. So, right. Like Sea Steelers fans, I'm not a total hater. Um <laughs> All right. Speaking of hating, as always, let's end with five questions for our guest. Four from me, one from Lenny. Oh boy.
1: And now it's time
2: for dinks and dunks. I'm getting paid for this, right?
0: Question number one. Which non-quarterback is your pick for Offensive Rookie of the Year?
2: Ooh.
1: Um, that's a good question because I think, I think Najee Harris has a good chance at it because he's going to get a ton of volume. Um, I wish I had a mm-hmm. list of who won it in the last few years. Has it typically been quarterbacks? It's, I feel like it's always quarterbacks, but maybe it's usually it's usually quarterbacks. I yeah. think the the chalk pick would be Jamar Chase.
0: Yeah, he's also going to get a lot of volume.
1: Probably <laughs> yeah. is
0: he the consensus like number one fantasy dynasty
1: guy? Yeah, him and Kyle Pitts, I would say, are like the L unicorn Pitts, yeah. prospects. Yeah. Like Pitts, I think has a chance, but he's sort of third in the pecking order, probably in their right. in their passing offenses in, with Atlanta.
0: But I love and him then for Chase. Dynasty. I
1: think is going to be yeah for sure. Um, there's never really been a prospect like Pitts. He's kind of like, he legitimately the unicorn. So, um, but I would say chase because if, if the, if the, um, if the Bengals are going to look anything like they did last year, which they're probably not going to be like significantly better. Um, they're going to have to pass a ton. And I think chase is just going to get a ton of targets and he's going to do exciting things with those targets.
0: Ball's got to come out hot. Um, (laughs) well, actually let's say, you know, I brought a fantasy um, Danny, of course, you cover fantasy when you weren't covering the draft. Mm-hmm. Give us a sleeper guy, like not not one of the hot names, like a like a later round guy.
1: Uh, that's gonna do well this year.
0: Like a rookie that you like? No, yeah. just um, like a dynasty pick.
1: Okay, let's see here.
0: Um, sorry, I should have sent you these questions before.
1: No, it's all good. So, I mean, I don't know what it, how you would really define a sleeper pick, but I think that uh, Michael Carter from the Jets is a good one. Um, who you probably can get him like sort of like if you're doing redraft, like real late because, you know, I don't think people are going to be too excited about the Jets offense, but I think like everything we talked about, he could come in and get 15 touches a game as a rookie. And and I think like he's very shifty. He could be involved in the passing game. Um, so I'd say Michael Carter is a good one. Um, and then our guy, uh, Palmer. No, I don't know. He probably won't do anything as a rookie. Power slot. Yeah, power slot.
0: Um spinning it forward. Um, no, actually, you know what? I'm gonna I'm I'm changing my mind. Question three. <laughs> um <laughs> I asked you for offensive rookie of the year. Is Micah Parsons just the obvious defensive rookie of the year, or is there another player you mm. throw into the mix?
1: I don't know. That's a good question because like I think defensive player of the year is always such a stat driven.
0: Yeah, so it's usually like a,
1: Thing. So okay. it's like sacks are good. So I, the first person I okay. went to was Jalen Phillips for Miami, who I think is um, for he's from Miami and went to Miami, right? Did mm-hmm. he end up in Miami? Yeah. Um, I'm like second guessing myself. Yes. I think he's going to be a guy that can contribute early on. I think he was like a top 10 type talent that just happened to fall because of the, you know, background scenario situation. He briefly retired from football, but I think he's, he's going to be really good rack a up um, stats that are like eye-popping stats those are those are always what happens with hmm. um with rookies but I th- Mar- parsons has a good chance because they'll probably get a ton of tackles and make yeah. splashy plays type deal
0: i bet the blitz in a lot too yeah um okay question four th- now that the draft is over you have a little bit of i hope a little bit of time on your hands um <laughs> yeah. y- you and i are both big fans of the show patriot on amazon oh counterpart can you give it yep. give a content recommendation something that you've Damn enjoyed it. lately
1: why didn't you give me these questions earlier let's I see. always
0: ask this question
1: um
0: now i know you don't listen
1: <laughs> that, that was the quiz that was the test it's cool. it's cool i feel like i already give i already get you're already <sighs> taking credit for counterpart and patriot from it's, my recommendation now you're i like, wouldn't say taking known,
0: credit i'm sorry for like not person, yes I'm yeah, I'm sorry for not tweeting. This came <laughs> vis-a-vis Danny Kelly when I recommended it to my father. I had a very
1: hard time finding other shows lately, to be honest. Um damn it. Are you
0: watching Mare of Easttown?
1: I'm not. NH-O? I did we, we started watching the uh, the Nevers.
0: Oh yeah, I quit that bizarre. after two episodes. So bad.
1: <laughs> it's weird.
0: It's so bad. No, um uh, Mayor of Easttown is like a small town cop show, but it takes place in Delaware, Delaware County, outside Philadelphia, mm. um, and Kate Winslet does the accent, which is a very specific oh accent. Oh and my husband's from there, uh, and she doesn't nail it. Um, I, I don't. He actually he laughs a lot, but I think he like also kind of respects the effort. It basically is like, yeah, yeah, you know, you're an asshole homeowner. <laughs> I'm gonna go to water Rice. Is that's oh my boy. best approximation of it. All right, I thought, um, I thought
1: of one. I thought of one. Okay. Give it. Um, I've, I I don't know if you've ever listened to me on this because I've tried to get you to watch this, but zero 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 from Amazon.
0: Oh, I want to watch that. I That's,
1: liked it a lot. There's a few like moments where it's kind of like weird, but people, it's based yeah. on the um the global cocaine trade, I guess, and it's like basically showing it from all different angles, um, from all from like all the different players in it, and um, I thought it was just really well done and interesting and there's a few things that like were kind of down, but like I thought overall it was really good.
0: No that's that seems like extremely up my alley. For yeah sure. um you know, I love narcos. Oh, I
1: miss Narcos. It's in that vein. It's definitely in that vein.
0: Mm. All right. last question as always comes from Lenny. Lenny just wants to know how it feels going into our fourth dynasty season <laughs> still not having won the championship despite the fact that you're the fantasy expert.
1: It's the third season, first of all, not fourth.
2: <laughs> just ended <laughs> I end wouldn't there. expect
1: you to keep track of this. Um, yeah. I'm just, uh, so I've told you before, I have embraced the fact that I am the Buffalo Bills of our league, that I'm always, I've two years running, I've scored the most points in our league, no big deal. Um, but then I just like choke in the playoffs, whatever. It's just who, who my team is. And I've accepted it. I've embraced it. We're going to go to four Super Bowls in a row and lose them all. Does scoring the
0: the most points get you anything? (laughs) I just I don't know a lot about fantasy. You're the expert, so I just it's
1: fun during during the regular season. Yeah.